Father, we thank you uh, that you have gathered us this morning and thank you that you speak to us this morning through your word. Uh, Give us ears that are ready to hear. Amen. I wonder when was the last time that you entered a new social situation, a group of people, a community, that you were hoping to become part of. Uh, Maybe it was coming here, starting a new church. Maybe it was meeting your future in-laws. Maybe it was a job interview. Or maybe something smaller, creating an online dating profile, or going to a wedding where you hoped you might meet a future spouse or meeting your short-term mission trip uh, team that you'd be serving with, or going to your first school mum's night out, or your first work Christmas social. And I wonder how you prepared for that situation. What did you wear? Did you buy any new items of clothing or accessories? Did you look in the mirror a few more times before you left than you usually would? Did you spend some time looking up the people that you were going to be with or preparing what you might say, how you would describe yourself, what topics of conversation you might bring up, how you might respond to things that they would ask you? Because we tend to like to appear quite sorted when we enter a new social situation. We want to come across like we've got ourselves together, Like we've got something to give, like we're strong, independent, knowledgeable, gifted people. People that other people should view positively, should like, should want around, maybe even should aspire to be like. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to make a good impression, wanting to put your best foot forwards when you're meeting new people. But we don't need to do it with Jesus. This passage says, we don't need to do that with Jesus. And as we've been in this series on prayer uh, with Jesus in Luke 18, we've learnt that it's all about the attitude of our hearts. It's about how our hearts come to Jesus, more than how we appear, what we say, how much we say in our prayers. It's more about our demeanour than about discipline more about our stance than about substance. Two weeks ago, Dan showed us that we're to keep coming to God without losing heart, for he is not like an unjust judge. He loves to bring about justice for his chosen ones. And then last week, we saw that like the tax collector, we are to come humbly to our God who has mercy on us, not comparing ourselves to other people. And this morning's passage, though it doesn't explicitly deal with prayer, I think continues that theme of how we, in our hearts, approach our God. And the first thing we see, our first point, is that children can come to Jesus. Children can come to Jesus. In verses 15, Uh, and the first half of verse 16. The first thing we see in this short passage is Jesus telling his disciples that they must let the little children come to him. 
Um, just now we were considering how we might come to an important occasion as adults, the preparation we might do, how we might want to present ourselves. I think it's fair to say that young children do not feel that same concern, that same need. And it's young children uh, that are being um, introduced to Jesus here. In verse 15, um, the word is babies, a word um, referring to children, probably young enough to walk, but probably not much older than toddlers. How does my 15-month-old son come to me when I get in from work? At this time of year, usually with a snot pouring down his cheeks, a scowl on his face, angry cries, a smelly nappy, and a scene of carnage behind him. Does he make any effort to impress me? No. Does he try to tidy up himself or after himself? No. Does he put on any social niceties to win my approval and warm me to him? No. That's just how little children come. And it's no different in public life as it is in private family life. It's no different in church life, is it? Which of us hasn't um, nearly had our coffee knocked out of our hands by a running child or missed bits of the sermon because of a child's wailing or seen the carnage next door when it's time to go home? That's just how children come. And maybe we shouldn't be too surprised at the disciples' actions here, for it had been exhausting for Jesus. A constant rigmarole of loving and serving and teaching needy people who demanded so much of him gave little back and little time to escape and recuperate. But Jesus needed a break. He needed some space if he was going to be able to serve. And these children, well, there was nothing actually wrong with them. They weren't coming for healing, just for a blessing. And they were too young, surely, to properly understand and take in his teaching. It's a question of efficiency. How best to use Jesus' limited time, his limited resources. Not everyone could have a piece of Jesus. He needed a break. And his disciples wanted to give him one. And if that meant shooing away some children and their doting parents, then they were happy to do that. But look how Jesus responds. Verse 16. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Where the disciples told off the parents, Jesus, in effect, told off the disciples. Where the disciples sent the children away, Jesus summoned them to him. Little Billy, don't go. Come back. Come over here. Come and sit on my knee. Let me bless you. Why? Because Jesus values children. Jesus does not see children as annoying, a distraction, foolish, naive. He does not see interacting with children as a job for someone else, something that's beneath him. Jesus values children. He sees them, he considers them precious, he thinks them worthy of his time and of his attention. And that's no small thing, given the low value that children have in society at the time. Jesus invites the children to himself. It seems they wanted to come. They are to come to him. 
he tells his disciples, no one must get in their way or stop them. And I don't think he's some sort of stern grandparent figure here, only bringing children to himself for correction. Be quieter, eat your food properly, be seen and not heard. He accepts these children as they come to him, with all their noise, their mess and their dirt. And he accepts them with whatever simple faith they come. I don't think Luke is telling us that these toddlers are already saved, that they won't later need to hear the gospel message in full when they're old enough to understand it. But I think Luke is telling us that there was a desire in these children. I'm pretty sure their parents would have given up quite quickly bringing them to Jesus if every child came kicking and screaming, refusing to be touched by this strange man. These children, it seems, were willing, wanted to come and sit with this man that they did not really know and listen to him and feel his hand on their shoulder and the touch of his blessing. And Jesus accepts that seed of desire, interest and trust. And he blesses them. Jesus accepts children. He accepts their coming to him. And he commands that they not be turned away. I realise that our youngest children are not in the room right now. They're upstairs. They're through there. Uh, But for any older children in this room or in a different room listening online, this is for you. Jesus sees you. He loves you. He values you. And he calls you to come to him. You're not just mini adults waiting to grow up people to be entertained or ignored or dealt with by others. You're a precious part of our church family, valued by God. So come to him. Children, don't just sit quietly on a chair because your parents make you come, because it's what you've always done. Come to him. And now you're old enough to listen and understand, hear his words of grace and forgiveness, and trust him as your Lord and Saviour. And know that he accepts you if you do. You're never too young to become a Christian. And passages like this one are why we as a church put such energy into loving and teaching our children. Why we include and address them in our services. Why we have a dedicated team who teach and care for them. Why we put on groups and events for them. So you see the value of that work. Encourage the people who do it. If you're hungry for a teaching or caring role in church life, consider whether you might serve with our children and teenagers. It's a valuable work. Jesus calls the little children to come to him. Let's not get in their way. That's our first point. And our second, you can come to Jesus like a little child. End of verse 16. You can come to Jesus like a little child. Jesus loves, invites, and accepts children. That is a precious truth. But it's not the main truth of this passage. For with the last phrase of verse 16, we get a twist. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. 
This scene is not just about children. It's not just about Jesus welcoming children into his presence. It's bigger than that. It's about the kingdom of God and who will come into that kingdom. For the kingdom of God, says Jesus, belongs to those who come to it as a child would. What does that mean? What does it mean to come to God's kingdom like a toddler? If you spent any time with a toddler, you will know that they are far from innocent. They are frequently self-absorbed, self-focused, selfish. They do not know. They do not understand. They could be irresponsible and careless. They often behave in terrible ways. If we were to behave like them, we would be put in our place very quickly by those around us. And there are parts of Scripture that explicitly tell us not to be like children. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. What does it mean to come like a toddler? It doesn't mean to behave like one, or to know like one. It means to receive like one. That's the context of what Jesus is saying here. For as adults, we are not always that good at receiving things, are we? Think of Jane. Christmas is coming up at her new work. So she pops into M&S one night after she's finished and buys some chocolates, just, just something small, a little token of her appreciation for the colleague that she works most closely with. And then in the last day in the office, before the Christmas holidays, um, she hands over her chocolates. And her colleague, having clearly remembered something Jane had completely forgotten she had told her, gives her the most precious gift that must have set her back a lot. And Jane is mortified. She just feels so embarrassed. Her present was so much less personal, so much less expensive, and she resolves um, to work out when her colleague's birthday is and to get her something amazing and to prove that she's worthy of her colleague's kindness. As adults, we are not always good at receiving gifts. But little children, they find it much easier. A toddler will quite happily and with no shame come to you, demand what they want from you, take it from you, and go off and do with it as they wish. Little children know how to receive things as gifts. They know how to receive things simply. And that's what Jesus is looking for in those who would come to him. He's looking for those who would receive what he has to give simply. Because receiving the kingdom from Jesus is nothing like preparing for an interview or seeking to impress a date or trying to ingratiate yourself with the in-laws, or convincing the new social club you've joined that you're good enough to be a member. Receiving the kingdom of Jesus is simply to come with empty hands, with nothing to give, nothing to show, and to accept what he has freely given you. For we receive God's kingdom as a gift. We've done nothing to deserve it. We could do nothing to earn it. And we have nothing to offer God for it. A little earlier, in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased 
to give you the kingdom. It's a gift. And that is very different from how we as adults are used to receiving things. There really are no strings attached with God's gift of the kingdom. Nothing that we could or must do in return to try to prove ourselves worthy of this gift. It would be like the toddler in the new car seat their parents bought them, trying to sit ever so still and sensibly so that their parents felt that they deserved the seat and didn't take it back off them again. It would be ridiculous. God gives us his kingdom as a gift, and so we receive God's kingdom as a gift. And isn't that wonderful? Isn't that such a relief? Because aren't we so tired of trying to earn the favour of the world that we live in? I don't know about you, but I'm not feeling very worthy of God's love today. I'm not feeling that I have all that much to give. And what I do have to give is totally outweighed by the sin that I also bring. And maybe you feel that too. Maybe you feel, at times, like a bit of a fraud before God. And before others, you live in fear that God will see through you, will see the real you, and will reject you. And if you ever feel like that, then this is the most extraordinary relief. It's the most wonderful offer. You can come like a child, in a mess, your heart and life in a state, with empty hands, with nothing to give, and Jesus will accept you. Not that he will leave you as you are, but he will accept you as you come to him today. He will not ask anything of you. He will simply place his arms around you, his hand upon you, and he will whisper into your ear, don't worry, it's all sorted. I've done it. It is finished, as we've just been singing. So brother, sister, you don't need to pretend. There's no need to hide our sin and our shame. There's nothing we need to do. There's nothing we could give. We can come as we are. And Jesus gives us his kingdom. So that's our second point. Jesus says that we can come to him like little children. Our final point, you must come to Jesus like a little child. Verse 17. You must come to Jesus like a little child. Because we get another twist in verse 17. Follow it with me. And truly I tell you, says Jesus, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. In verse 16, the message was you can come like a little child. In verse 17, it is that you must got a little bit more serious, a little bit more urgent. The only way, says Jesus, to come to him is like a toddler. He will not receive into his kingdom those who will not receive the gift of his kingdom like a humble, empty-handed child. And like, like last week, um, it turns out that this is a salvation story. Last week, with the tax collector and the Pharisee, we probably began thinking we were comparing the better Christian and the worse Christian here. But it turned out that it was all about who was and wasn't justified.
that we were comparing Christian, who comes asking for mercy, with non-Christian, who comes boasting of their works. And this week too, there's strong language. We're in salvation territory again. We're in the territory of entering or not entering God's kingdom, of receiving or not receiving heaven. Jesus isn't saying that better, more mature, godlier Christians come to him like children. He's saying that all Christians come to him like children. There's only one way into God's kingdom, and it's to drop everything you're holding and come with nothing. We're finishing Luke 18 this week, but if we were to continue, we would see a certain young ruler come in verse 18 and struggle to do that very thing. Struggle to give up what he was holding, his riches in his case. But it is the only way, says Jesus. There's no option B. There's no second route in. It's try to enter, holding on to your earthly achievements and qualifications, and find yourself stood outside the gate. Or let everything you once counted gain fall at your feet and enter with nothing. And there's a seriousness to this, an urgency to it. Think of, um, think of Brian with a long-term health condition. And one day the doctor tells him of a new option, a treatment they hadn't previously thought would be for him. We could try this, the doctor urges. But over the next few months, Brian's condition worsens. And the doctor's tone changes. It goes from you could try this there's something closer to you must. This might be your only chance, Brian. This might be the only thing that might help you. And we've got that same seriousness, that same urgency here. There's only one way into God's kingdom, says Jesus, and it's to come with nothing. And if you have not yet come to Christ, then see that this is the only way that Christ will accept your coming, put down your earthly achievements and come to him with empty hands. For he has laid down his life for you and he promises you everything. And if we're already believers, then this is a reassuring message. For some of us, um, we will feel like empty-handed children. We don't need anyone to tell us that we've got nothing to show for our lives, nothing to give to God. We read a passage like this, and it describes us perfectly. But many of us won't feel like that. We'll know that there are earthly things that we find it all too easy to put our trust in. And we'll place ourselves on the other side of the story, those not coming like children. But if this is a salvation story, if it's about who enters and who doesn't enter, who receives and who does not receive, then every believer is in the same category. We are all those who have come to Christ as children. We've confessed our sin. We've admitted our shame. We've come to Jesus as Lord and Savior with empty hands and nothing to give, not boasting of our worldly achievements anymore, and he has welcomed us in. No matter how much we slip back into trusting our achievements, trying to prove ourselves to others, we are, if we're believers today, the noisy, messy, 
dirty children who've run to Jesus and who he has swept up in his arms and who he now delights in. That is us. And of course, as we see that reassurance, we see that there's a challenge in here for us too because it is all too easy to start trying to grab on to what's supposed to slip through our fingers like sand. It's all too easy to start taking how we feel about ourselves before God from how we've served, how we've not sinned, our moral lives, our kind words, our godly disciplines. It's all too easy to know technically that we come with nothing, but to end up functionally placing our worth in who we know, what we know, where we've been, and what we've done, more than we do in the cross of Christ. It's just sand, says God. Don't try to hold on to it. Let it go. That you might with both hands take Christ's gift to you, his kingdom. And maybe for some of us, there's a practical application there. We've got some heart work to do. Maybe put your service on pause for a season. It's making you proud. Maybe rethink your prayer schedule if it's become more about your self-discipline than God's grace and power working through your prayers. Maybe stop listening to whichever famous Christian speaker that you follow for a while if the tribe you're part of is becoming more of a comfort to you than being in Christ's family. Because if you think what you do makes you something before God, makes you someone in the kingdom of God. You've got it all wrong, says Jesus. The kingdom of God is not like this world. You don't need to impress. You can't impress. You can come like a child. And there's a warning too of being careful of slipping into inferring to other people that this is uh, that it's by what they do and not by what Christ has done alone that they will gain entry to God's kingdom. We can put the bar for people to become and be Christians higher than God puts it. Want to be truly loved by God? Do this. Try that. Give this. Say that. It doesn't work like that, says Jesus. It doesn't work like the world works. These things are just sand. Let them go. That you might with both hands take Christ's gift to you, his kingdom. And maybe there's something that you need to let God prize out of your hands in this season. Something that you do not need, that is stopping you from coming to him. And so often, we need God to empty our hands for us. We find it so hard to let go of these things ourselves. Pray that he might loosen your grip on whatever thing you're clinging onto, such that it just drops from your fingers so intensely is your gaze upon him. And of course, it is by and as we fix our eyes on Jesus that we will be able to give up the things that we are so tempted to cling on to. It is not in our own strength that we are to do that. It is as we run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, and perfecter of faith, that we will be able to let go of those things. Their hold on us will not feel so great, the writer of Hebrews tells us.
And remember, Jesus does not ask you to give up anything that he wasn't willing to give up himself. He does not ask you to empty your hands of things that he would not let go of himself. Had a bank balance that's mostly in the red. Jesus has been there. Never had a house to call your own. Jesus has been there. Lived a life of singleness, not had children. Jesus has been there. Lost the things that were most precious to you. Jesus has been there. Felt overwhelmed by the hardness of your situation. Jesus has been there. Been thought nothing of. Left behind and forgotten. Jesus has been there. Been branded a scoundrel, an outrage and an offence. Jesus has been there been hated by everyone in the room. Jesus has been there. He knows what it's like. He does not ask you to give up anything. He hasn't given up himself. He does not ask you to empty your hands of things that he kept clinging to. Why was he willing to give up everything, to come with nothing before his father and die on the cross? The writer of Hebrews carries on. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, and he has promised that, he, that we will sit there with him. If we come to him with nothing, he will give us everything. He will give us his kingdom. And we will have no regrets. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus loves and accepts children. Thank you that he loves and accepts everyone in society, however they might be thought of. Thank you for his tender care for these children here and for the children in our congregation. And Father, we thank you that we can come to him like children with no pretension, nothing to give, nothing to offer, no desire to prove ourselves, to make ourselves worthy. Thank you that we can come like children with nothing and he gives us everything.